morning, good day, good evening, good night. And welcome. Good welcome. Good welcome? Good welcome. Welcome to Stories of Strangeness, episode 12. We are back once again. Like the Renegade Master. Absolutely. D for damager. Power to the people. (laughs) The ill behaviour is quite fitting. The ill ill behaviour is basically what you're listening to. Oh dear. This episode is a Zoe episode. And I don't know what she's doing because she wouldn't tell me. It was more because I did not know what I was doing until I think yesterday morning yeah and then went a bit crazy like oh we did this yeah there was there was some mild panic earlier in the week when zoe didn't (laughs) think she was gonna get anything done i lost a week that's what it was and did you lose a week well i just i didn't think we were recording check down the back of the sofa i don't want to go down there never know what my find. well a week hopefully (laughs) just a week we could have a week off with that week anyway let's stop now yeah cut most of that out onto the topic As it's coming up to Halloween, I wanted to talk about something in keeping with the season, you know? It was really difficult to decide, and I started researching a few different subjects before my muse hit me. Hence the reason mild panic set in. I thought I would choose a classic horror story to look into. Ooh, Jaws. How did you guess? (laughs) So is that your guess, is it? The Shining. Is that a classic horror story? Dracula. Almost. I know which one you're doing. You, you've been peeking, haven't you? I haven't you? been peeking. I know which one you're doing because I know you. Go on then, what is it? You're doing Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. Well, I'm not actually talking about Frankenstein. I want to talk about Mary Shelley. Ah, I think I still get points for I think, that. You, yeah, you do. Many moons ago when I did my degree in costume design and making, my final project was entitled The Nightmares of Mary Shelley. Having been an avid reader of all branches of horror literature since a young age, it always fascinated me that a girl of her time had written such a deep and dark story at such a young age. Alas, there are very few pictures of my final display, but the story of Mary Shelley's life has stayed with me, and it is, in many ways, more tragic than the story she created. And I am, of course, talking about the book Frankenstein. Mary Shelley was born Mary Wollstonecraft Godwin, on the 30th of August, 1797, in London. Her parents were Mary Wollstonecraft, an advocate of equality and betterment for the treatment of women, and William Godwin, a political philosopher and ex-minister who had turned away from the church and its blinkered views of the world. But the joy of the new arrival was short-lived as Mary's mother died of an infection 10 days after she was born. William was left with the baby, Mary, and her older half-sister, Fanny Imlay, a child of her mother's previous relationship. And although the couple had lived a life believing the sexes equal, it seems William did not cope well looking after two young children and keeping house. When Mary was four, William married a neighbour, Mary Jane Claremont, and she brought with her her two children, a son named Charles and a daughter, Claire. It is said that his friends found his new wife difficult and argumentative, but they were happy together. The new Mrs. Godwin clearly favoured her own children, and Mary soon grew to dislike her stepmother as much as her father's friends did. Mary had a radical education compared to the standards of the day. She was as free-thinking as her father, and by the age of ten she knew her mother's works on equality and feminism by heart. It was true that she idolised the mother that she never knew, and would spend a lot of time at her mother's graveside, reading and contemplating the world. It is said that she learned to write her own name, tracing the name of her mother on her gravestone. Mary was a dreamer, 
Her daydreams were her castles in the air. Her father would take her on outings, and she would often spend time with him and his group of friends discussing philosophy and the wider world, and he himself had an extensive library. One such evening saw her and her sister Claire sneak in to listen to Samuel Taylor Coleridge reading The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, an experience that Mary never forgot. Regardless of this, William is to have said that even this level of education was not up to the standard that Mary's mother would have wished. Mary and her stepmother, however, continued to clash. Mary was a headstrong girl who knew her mind, and her stepmother was not above beating her if she did not do as she was bid. In 1811, Mary spent six months at a boarding school, but this did not seem to agree with her. So, the summer of 1812, Mary went to stay with William Baxter and his family near Dundee in Scotland. Baxter was a friend of her father, and she enjoyed her time there, and the four daughters were great companions. Her imagination roamed free. At the age of 15, her father described her as bold, somewhat imperious, and active of mind. Her desire of knowledge is great, and her perseverance in everything she undertakes is almost invincible. When she returned home, she was introduced in passing to a follower of her father's ideas, a young Percy Bishy Shelley. The following summer of 1813, Mary returned to Scotland, this time for 10 months. We have to wonder if it was for her health or for the well-being of her parents who now found Mary's ways troublesome. For example, if she was ever asked to cook, she would just put a random foodstuff in the oven and leave it to burn, while she went off to read or do something she deemed to be more worth her time. When Mary returned from Scotland in March of 1814, Percy Shelley was spending more and more time at her father's home. Although from landed aristocracy, rather than following the traditions his family wished him to, Percy had ideas of giving money to those less fortunate than himself, and so his family had all but disowned him. It is true that he had also separated from his wife, Harriet Westbrook, who was the mother to his first child and pregnant with another. William was quite taken by Shelley, possibly because Shelley had offered to help him out of debt. However, things turned sour when Shelley was unable to access the money from his family. William was angry and felt betrayed. It was at this point that Mary and Percy started meeting in secret at her mother's gravestone. She was 16 and he was 21. On the 26th of June, 1814, the two declared their love for each other and supposedly consummated that love right there in the graveyard. Classic. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, Mary's father did not approve. Although we have to wonder if it was because Percy was still married or more because he felt angry still at not getting bailed out of debt. This disapproval sparked rebellion and the two lovers fled to France, taking with them Mary's stepsister, Claire. Although Mary's stepmother caught up with them in Calais, they could not be dissuaded and continued into France. Mary's stepmother's worries were not unfounded. The trio were heading into a country that had been ravaged by the Napoleonic Wars for over a decade and would continue into the following year. The landscape they met was beautiful but marred by destruction. They travelled by donkey, cart, mule or by simply walking, and towards the end they followed the River Rhine, which led them past Castle Frankenstein, a name that would stick in Mary's memory. Their adventure lasted just under three months, and in September of 1814 they returned to England having run out of money. They faced their greatest hardships in those following months. Mary was pregnant, and because of this her father disowned her, Without his support, they fell into more debt. 
With Percy still being married and his wife pregnant, society disowned them too, and the three of them moved into lodgings together. Also, at around this time, Harriet gave birth to Percy's second child, a son, and Percy was overjoyed. Mary's pregnancy was not an easy one and she was often ill, and she also became aware that Percy and Claire were spending more and more time out together, and it became obvious they were more than just friends. Mary gave birth two months early, on the 22nd of February 1815, to a little girl. But this joy again was short-lived, as she wrote to a friend on the 6th of March, My baby is dead. Mary fell, understandably, into a deep depression. But by summer she had conceived again, and her spirits lifted once more. On the 24th of January 1816, Mary gave birth to a boy named William for her father, and he became known as Wilmouse. And so it was that in the summer of 1816, Mary, Percy, Wilmouse and Claire travelled to Lake Geneva to holiday with Lord Byron and his friend Dr Polidori. The group were well acquainted, and one of the reasons for the trip was to establish that the child that Claire was pregnant with was that of Lord Byron's. The holiday did not go quite as planned, as 1816 would become known as the year with no summer. The previous year, the eruption of Mount Tambora had released so much dust and ash into the atmosphere that the weather had been changed globally. North America experienced frost in summer, Italy had red snow, and Ireland had eight weeks of non-stop rain. This unforgiving weather meant that they had to forego many of the outdoor pursuits they had planned and instead opt for more indoor activities. As storms raged and rain fell, they found themselves talking of many different topics. And in the evening, they would read German ghost stories from Phantasmagoriana. And then came the night that would put history into motion. Byron suggested that they all write their very own ghost stories. And in a room of two prominent writers, a doctor and two young girls, it was safe to say that the outcome would be interesting. Byron and Percy started to write straight away, but Mary remained uninspired for quite some time. It was after an evening talking of the work of Luigi Galvani and his advancements in science that Mary found her muse. Galvani had developed a galvanoscope and using such he would produce a reaction in deceased frog legs. In short, electricity was bringing muscles to life. The implications, with all that this could lead to, it's not surprising that someone who had experienced the deaths of close loved ones would not want to imagine a world where they could be brought back to life. Upon retiring to bed, she is said to have experienced a waking dream of a feverish scientist working on a hulking being. At first she was annoyed at this distraction. She was still intent on writing her ghost story, but she finally realised she had met her monster, Victor Frankenstein. In the days that followed, Mary penned what would become her book. At first, it was more of a short story, but encouraged by Shelley, Mary would continue to work on it, and the story grew. When the group returned to England, they moved to Bath to keep Claire's pregnancy a secret, and Mary continued to work on her novel. The coming months saw two more tragedies. Fanny Imlay, who had written to Mary over the summer, proclaiming her deep unhappiness, took an overdose of laudanum in October. And in December, Percy's estranged wife drowned herself in the Serpentine Lake in Hyde Park. It was 1818 when Frankenstein was published and Mary had just turned 21. 
but already in her life she had experienced so many tragedies. The death of her mother, the disowning of her father, the loss of a child, the suicide of her half-sister and the first wife of her lover. These things would be insurmountable for a person twice her age, and yet she continued. She knew the fragility of the human body and the passion of obsession. She knew wanting and loss, and she also seemed to have recognised that it is human nature to take the seemingly miraculous and take it to dark places. When the book was published, it was done so anonymously, as many did not rate female authors. And I wish I could say that her life got better after Frankenstein was released, but it didn't. Out of four children she gave birth to, only one survived to adulthood, and she had many miscarriages. One almost killed her. She would lose Percy to a sailing accident in 1822. After his death, she returned to England and devoted her time to her surviving son and her writing. She died of a suspected brain tumour at 53. And so that summer in 1816 was the birthplace of a legend, of endless movies, spin-offs and Halloween costumes. Many say it was the birth of science fiction. Another story written on that holiday by Dr. Polidori, the vampire, which years later inspired Bram Stoker to write his novel Dracula. And so there you go. Hello everyone, this is Brandon, the host of the Parunity Podcast, wanting to take a second to tell you about our show. The Parunity Podcast is your top choice for closing the distance between the paranormal groups. From ghosts, to cryptids, to ufology, we will discuss it all. The Parunity Podcast is aimed at promoting positivity and collaboration between investigators, and is geared specifically for those in the field. But if you're not you'll still get a kick out of the show as well, because you'll be able to think of it like Ghost Hunters talking shop. Tune in and join myself and all of our amazing guests as we entertain you with sensational stories of fantastic places, events, tips for your investigations, and so much more. And remember, you can find the Parunity Podcast on your favorite podcast directory and part of the Paranormality Radio Network. What do you think? Cool. So there's quite a bit there I didn't know. Good. I didn't I know that there's an actual castle Frankenstein. Yeah. And that that's where she got the name. On on the Rhine River. Yeah. So at that point they must have passed into Germany. Yeah, they they it, it seems what? that they roamed I think they might have got as far as Italy at one point and then come yeah. back round. Well, yeah, if they experienced but, red snow in Italy, which that was Oh no, they they weird. didn't. Personally, right, just Italy it was just, generally. Because, I mean, they didn't go to North America either, love, no, to experience okay. the frost, but it was just saying globally there globally were issues, there were, yeah. which I was like, no. Where do we stand on red snow? Are you allowed to eat that? Because I know you're not I, allowed to eat yellow snow. I, I mean, I wouldn't eat red snow. Yeah, probably best not to, I suppose. I wouldn't recommend it. No. I'm guessing it's got quite a lot of iron in it. Yeah, iron. But yeah, don't you think it's really pretty tragic? Yeah, she had a, was, an awful life, really, by the sound of things. Miscarriage that nearly killed her. This one in particular was in Italy because after mm. they, they left England and they went to live in Italy. Yeah. And while in Italy, they, they moved around a lot and they actually kind of almost had like a, a bit of a cult following that they made friends and they just mo- kept moving around. But she actually lost two of her children at a yeah. very, very young age while in 
Italy, one of malaria and the other I didn't know, but it was a little boy and a little girl. Oh, so she'd goodness. already lost one. Yeah. And then the the fourth child who who was named Percy Florence, he survived. He was the one that survived to adulthood. Right. But it was shortly before Percy died, as in her husband. Yeah. Because they did actually end up getting married just after Harriet killed herself, but not out of love particularly. It was more so that he could try and gain custody of the two children that he'd had oh, with wow. Harriet, but he was denied that, yeah. which I think was probably a good thing because he could hardly look after himself, bless yeah. him. Yeah. But they had very much like the opinion of that no one owned anybody. It was sort of free love. He encouraged her to have mm. affairs and Lovers she and yeah, yeah. And she was very tolerant of him, but they still were very kind of impassioned. Yeah, They went out to Italy. They moved with another couple out to sort of the wilds just to kind of just relax, etc. Mm. And she had a miscarriage and he put her in a bath of ice and the doctor said that he probably saved her life by doing that because wow. it slowed everything down. Yeah. Because she almost bled out, which is horrendous. And it was shortly after that that Percy and the husband of the couple that had come to stay with them yeah. went out boating along the the Italian coast. Yeah. Off they went. It was it was gonna be they were gonna be away for a while. Yeah. And left the women and children at home. And Mary received a letter from the people that they'd been to see saying, We do hope you got home okay because it was quite crazy that you left in that storm. Wow. Ten days before. Wow. And so they up sticks and fled and the bodies washed up of him oh, and the God. other person and the, there was basically a, a boy in the boat as well yeah. and all three bodies washed up and that's how so for 10 days she didn't she even realise well no one realised yeah. that they'd that they'd, they'd drowned died. oh my God she was evidently heartbroken and and, and went back yeah. to, to England and kind of even then she wasn't accepted back into society just because no one seemed to forgive her of anything yeah you know well, yeah, because A, she was a progressive woman, which wasn't Very done. much so, very much so. And to the point where this was something that I was like, wow. She had two lesbian lovers for friends. Yeah. And she helped one of them procure a passport that depicted her as male so that they, right. could, go abroad so they could go abroad yeah. and marry. Oh, my goodness. And live together as a couple, yeah. essentially, which, again, incredibly progressive for the yeah, time. because with 18, 15, 18, 18, you were saying? Well, that, that was when the... That was when the... It, this the would have been after then. Well, so, after but you that, still think, but, like, yeah, between I mean, 18, 20 and, 18. and sort of 18, 30, sort of around yeah. then, that's what she was doing. But she continued until, you know, very, very late in her life, or late, you know, shortly before she died, to continually release her father's work, her mother's work and Percy's work. And I, I think mm. that one of the reasons why his work is so well known is that is she was, because con she continued, she to push continued for it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. although he was very established, I think he, cause he, he was aristocracy, you know, he came from money. He had quite yeah. a kind of a charmed life to Did start off with. Did she inherit any of that when he died then? No. Yeah. Because, so Possibly. It wouldn't go to her, it would go to her son. Oh, yeah, but because his heir, he yeah. wouldn't and he wouldn't inherit it until his grandfather died. Oh, great. Which in the end, when the grandfather died, 
they did inherit, but the son was already like adult by then. Yeah. And so towards the end, they did have a more comfortable life. Yeah. Which and well-deserved by indeed, that point. Indeed, yeah. But yeah, part of the reason maybe she pushed to release some of his works was actually to gain some money. I think she was trying. Yeah. You know, can't blame fair, her. Uh, fair play. She also released uh, a lot of diaries. They they mm. they had a, a joint journal for pretty much every because oh, they were they okay. both wrote almost continuously. Yeah, and she released their journals of their their journeys when they went off to France and Germany, and just basically just she would constantly just release the the writings that they they wrote together. Mm. I mean, she ended up in Bournemouth, although she said she wanted to be uh, buried in London in. St Pancras Church. Right. She wasn't buried there. She was buried in Bournemouth. But her her son had her mother and father exhumed mm. and buried alongside her. So they ended up together. And then he and his wife were buried there as well. So it's mm. sort of in the end they were all together. They had a family plot, can't yes, they? Yes. It was like a sort mm. of a family stone. So it was But what what an what an amazing event, just like, oh, let's all write a short story. And out of that you get the the book that inspired Bram Stoker to write Dracula, yeah. which I did. I did know that. I remember yeah. reading that before. Although some people said it was Byron that wrote it, but mm. I read somewhere else. I read Doctor Polidori. Polidori. I think he's generally I, credited with it. Yeah, because I was like, well, if, I'm sure it if, might have been that they were all kind of well. Apparently, and no. Apparently, Shelley and Byron started writing straight away, but then got bored and stopped. Yeah. You know, because they're like, we do this all the time. Nah. Yeah. But but she seemed quite taken with it, and I guess being as kind of her life being as tragic as it was and with all the different kind of influences of the time, because it mm. was like a really weird, you know, you've got the Industrial Le- Revolution was kind of on the horizon. Yeah. You've got, you know, the end of the French Revolution and the Napoleonic Wars. You've just had an amazing overture written, which involved cannons in concert halls. Can you imagine, though, with people going like to a concert hall and they're setting up ready and they're like, right, okay, we want the brass section over here. The cannons Strings over here. there. And and can we make way for the artillery, please? And, and <laughs> what? The, the, yeah, there's the players going, the, the what now? The what? <laughs> who's who's going to blow down that? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well. I am not putting my face anywhere near the end of that thing. No, no, no. But yeah, I always think it's very difficult to think of a world before the story of Frankenstein because it's just so ingrained into it. I mean, literally every Halloween you see some Someone. form of Frankenstein's monster Someone somewhere. stitched up, you, you know, know. I mean, you've got the monsters, you know, the, yeah. the dad was essentially Frankenstein's monster. In Adam's got, Family, there's Lurch. Yeah. He's like a kind of based on a kind of Frankenstein monster. And, and right like... through to modern day stories where you've got kind of cyborgs and things like that. It's still yeah. the kind of same thing. Adam um, in Buffy. Adam in Buffy, cyborg in Teen Titans Go that our yeah. daughter watches and DC in general. Doom Patrol, I think, is in and things like that. But yeah, it's all they, that they all kind of, of stem of putting from things that. together. Is creating Cyberpunk life where there was twenty seventy seven that's coming out soon for consoles and things is all about cybernetics and that fact, yeah. kind of thing. Which Fallout New Vegas, you could her. like, you could like soup yourself up, couldn't you? you yeah, could like have bits chopped off and add, you, add I've bits never on. Played it, but yeah, I keep you played that, it, and I, I never did. I ended up with for some like, reason skin like tree bark or something and a yeah, fun. and a weird leg or I can't remember it's so long ago. It's just like real life then. Shut up. I moisturize. <laughs> yeah, but look at your weird leg. <laughs> but yeah, no, it it is just an incredible feat of imagination to go from was it Galvin? I think his name was. Galvani. Galvani. 
Galvani. Yeah, Galvani. But yeah, just to go from hearing about Galvani's experiments and then to go, well, what if, you know, is it's the sort of thing that people go, oh, I could have thought of that. You didn't, you know, because, not back then. It was a huge leap of, of But this is it. It's like logic it's, and reasoning. You've got to be in a time where something hasn't happened, yeah. where there's still that possibility. Absolutely. And to take it to that that next level, which yeah. again I think that she you know, I think I feel an affinity with her that, you know, she did take it to pretty much the worst place you could take that experiment. Yeah. That experiment of, oh, look, electricity through legs. That's interesting. You made it move. I'm going to make it move. I'm going to make it live and I'm going to make it. But again, the fact that it was written as a horror, because that could have been written as a, hey, look, we can do this now, which would have been yeah. more the kind of science fiction route of, you know, because science fiction, you tend to get two flavours. There's the the kind of utopia, we've built a better society through technology, mm-hmm. or there's the dystopia of, oh, my God, everything's on fire, but we've got robotic limbs. But Obviously, you, you've got this was before, shades in between. I feel like they're right in saying that this was the first science fiction there, because it paved the way, most definitely. Yeah. And although it was horrific, if you actually look at it, it's more horrific because it reflects humans in their kind of worst light. Because well, it, the, who is the monster? Exactly. The, who, I was going to say the whole point is that this monster has been put together against its will, and yet it's actually the humans that are the real. It is completely and, because and, and villains I mean, of the piece. Reading, I've read it several times. It's mm. like one of my little go-to books when I've got yeah. you know a spare few days. Yeah, and the monster describes himself as a wretched creature, but he's only wretched because you know he wants love and he wants what all humans want and he doesn't he just wants to be normal. he doesn't get it yeah and well, because he's yes. you know the, the the villagers of the time saw it as a crime against god basically yes of that course the scientist was playing god and that was you know only god could create life but again for a woman of her time to write a piece which essentially looked at the role of church and state and went you know okay well what if somebody could play God. Yeah, but who better to write it than the daughter of an ex-minister who yeah. had turned his back on the church because of... Because of dogma, its, yeah. Its, its views, and to then turn almost to a complete 180 mm. and go, actually, I'm going to go into this kind of equal society, respect and, you know, properly... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very progressive woman, very progressive woman. Right, but her, her I mean, her mother... yeah. She must have been, because you think like the... the well, yeah, because you're going back a generation Yeah, a whole again. generation, like yeah. the Georgian period. like, And yeah, I was just you know, astounded and, you know, but not surprised also, because I, I believe that there would have been women who thought that throughout all of history. Oh, absolutely. It's yeah. just they would have they been suppressed. They weren't allowed to do anything. And, that, you know, they, like her mother wanted women to be educated. It was a weird it was, time. It was, it, it got even kind of more opulent in the regency period mm. under yeah. the prince regent of course because we've all seen black adder with his bally trousers <laughs> if you haven't seen black adder then you yeah, should black adder the third is the prince regent one and it's fantastic and it's probably more historically accurate than they intended and also if you're american you can actually hear hugh laurie's actual real accent yeah because he's english because he's english <laughs> and um just yeah it's just brilliant and it just gives a kind of a yeah that very kind of dandy yeah foppish kind yeah. of 
Yeah. I mean, the fashions of the time and, were amazing. And, uh, the weird thing and, yeah. that is that in that period that women lost their corsets, which I think is actually a really big step. That was huge, yeah. So they went from having these tight-waisted, you know, very things restricting breathing things to having that the empire line, yeah, that was actually named for Napoleon's. Stormtroopers. No, no. stormtroopers oh, didn't empire. wear dresses. No, um, empire state of mind. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> Concrete jungle where dreams are made of. Yeah, so the Empire Line dress was named after Napoleon's missus. Interesting fact about Napoleon. Do you know he invented cuff buttons on shirts? Jackets and cuffs and sleeves of the time didn't have any buttons on them. They're cufflinks. And he put buttons on them. Do you know why? It was to stop his soldiers wiping their noses across their sleeves. He saw soldiers wiping their noses down the sleeves of their uniforms and was appalled. With good and reason. Put buttons on them so that they would stop because it would hurt. So there you go. Another little fact about Napoleon: he wasn't short. No, I don't. He think was he about average height for his age. Uh, time, <laughs> I would say. The whole reason he's thought of as short is it's because the English drew it? him. Yeah, it's short to make. Short oh, look, he's make, only little. Oh, he's only little fella. No, we can yeah. beat him. He's only little. Yeah. So yeah, not not short at all. But yeah, I know. Let's go on holiday to France while they're at war. Yeah. That was an interesting one. I was like, no wonder her mum's like, oi, no. Yeah, like the, literally as you're describing it, and it's like they go over there. The landscape is beautiful, but destroyed. Yeah. So it's, you've had the French Revolution. Yeah. And then that kind of peters off Which, a bit. you know, as, as aristocracy, probably not the best place to go like, around the, the time of the though, revolution. They didn't look like aristocracy I because suppose, yeah. they were... Essentially, on the lamb, yeah, quite poor. And they literally they walked, they got carts, donkeys, mules, you know, cadged a ride. And I'm thinking, actually, they did really well for being there. Well, yeah, but it's not like you can get an Uber then, is it really? Well, no, but they for three months and they they did all of that. They were weren't trains as such across the whole country or anything. But that's what I mean. They they did so well with the distance, wandered, they just wandered. Like like, they got lifting carts and whatever else, but yeah, madness. Can you imagine a life where you were just like. Do you know what? Bugger it, I'm off to France. Maybe Germany. Who knows? Maybe <laughs> Italy. I don't know. We'll Maybe see where we end up. <laughs> We've got a bit of money. We'll probably run out at some point. But then but, it's like they come back. But then we'll go back and live in Bath. But they say, oh, Dad, you know, can I have some money? No, I've disowned you because you're pregnant, you hussy. And they go, okay, we'll just go and live in Bath. I mean, I lived in Bath. Yeah. It's not that cheap. And, it's really not I mean, cheap. To be fair, though, the Crescent in Bath is an excellent example of yeah. Georgian architecture. I, I didn't used to live there. No. <laughs> almost couldn't afford to walk around it. Never mind I, live I used there. to walk behind it literally every day when I was on my yeah. way to work. And even the back of it is quite pretty. And Bath itself is, is it's a beautiful, beautiful place. city. I liked living in Bath because I lived quite close to the centre to start off with in one of the really like big purpose-built Georgian yeah. flats. Yeah. And you've got the Roman baths there as yeah, well. which um, are amazing. Which is where... Really cool to look at um, and go around. Bath gets its name from, the bath that cured yep. some pigs. All right, if you say so. Something about... There was a natural fountain. Oh, there's it? a natural spring there, spring, yeah. Spring. And then and, the Romans and, developed it into a and, but they house. But they developed it into a bathhouse because... Of its healing properties. Yeah, some pigs bathed in it and they had pig pox or something. I don't know. I can't quite remember. <laughs> Pig pox. You can get cow pox, so you must be able to get pig pox. Fine. And you can get chicken pox, so don't laugh at me. Chicken pox, 
pig pox, cow pox. They're the only types Small of pox. pox. Smallpox. All right, fine. And There's another one. the reason that milkmaids didn't used to get smallpox is it's because they, they got, got cowpox, cow which was a less virulent strain. There's our history of medicine coming out again. Uh, I didn't do history of medicine. Well, I, did. I chose not to. Yeah. <laughs> I well, just I, know that. I didn't have the choice. I did history and it was, it was history of medicine or fail, basically. But yeah, so they went to Bath basically to hide Claire's pregnancy. And a little side note there, once they had deemed that Lord Byron was the father of Claire's baby... Did you say that she did have a bit of a thing with Percy or was it with Byron? Oh, yeah, Byron? they... they she, both. Right. So she'd kind of... The whole he was He was again. a bit of a, you know, he was a womaniser, basically. And that's yeah. why people, like, idolised him because he had, like, the life that most guys wanted. You know, he was aristocracy yeah he spent his day writing random poems and basically getting busy they had previously met up with byron claire and byron had hit it off she'd become pregnant and then was like oh goodness what am i gonna do we need him to acknowledge that it's his child and he basically said i'll acknowledge that that's my kid but you will have nothing more to do with it so when the kid was born he did take the child and took responsibility of the child and she never had contact with it again. Right. So, yeah, she basically gave the child over and then just went, well, hey. Ah, so the tragic tale of Mary Shelley. Indeed. And the tragic tale of Mary Shelley's tragic tale. Yes. And I will say that I've always thought that Frankenstein was the monster. Yeah. And it is one of my pet hates when people call the monster Frankenstein, you know this. It makes yeah. me so, so angry because he's not actually really given a name. No. He's often called the wretch or the monster. But because the book is called Frankenstein. Yeah. Mate, oh, it's look, it's a Frank. It's no. It's a Frankenstein. But I do actually. It's like when be- people say a Dracula, that annoys oh the crap my God. out of me. But, you know, to each their own. You do you. Whatever. It's just what it's just one of my little. I'm either becoming more tolerant in my old age, or else I just don't give a shit anymore. (laughs) Back to my original point. Yeah, I was trying to say that Frankenstein is actually the monster. Yeah, as in Doctor Frankenstein. Yeah, absolutely. I found out also in my research there's three different versions of Frankenstein. Right now, in the original one, he sets out to do this for slightly more darker purposes, and also Elizabeth is his sister. Right, okay. And you remember he he has a bit of a thing for Elizabeth. Yeah. Whereas in the later edition, it turns out that it's not so dark, it's more circumstantial, and that Elizabeth is a ward of the family. Right. So they've, they've looked after, not his actual sister, so they are able to get married. Yeah, okay. So, you know, less incestuous. Yeah. But I have only read the one version. I'm not sure I've actually ever read it all the way through. I think I've read maybe like children's versions of it, but I don't think I've actually read the original. Cool. Well, that was excellent. Thank you. I really enjoyed that. Thanks. Yeah. Going a bit old school. Yeah. Why not? So this is going to be our Halloween episode, which will be released on Monday the 26th. But there might be a a little something something for Halloween, but we're not sure how that's going to go yet. Well, we are sure how it's going to go because it's all pretty much ready to go. No, that's not what I'm talking about, love. I'm talking about the other thing that we're doing on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. (gasps) Who knows what that's If you're listening on Monday, we did it yesterday. We did it yesterday. In the future. It was, I don't know, because we haven't done it yet. (laughs) Yeah, this is all getting very time bendy, isn't it? But just to say, we are releasing a Halloween anthology episode with several other podcasters. 
including the Spooky Tales podcast, the Prairie Land Paranormal podcast, Monster Legends podcast, loads of others. I'm not going to go through all the names. Sorry if I've missed you off, but you will get credited in the posts that we do about it and things. And basically, we've all done a kind of a 15 to 20 minute short story, some of which may be fictional, some of which are creepy tales from around and about. Ours is a true crime creepy tale, which is different for us, isn't it? Yeah, which is a bit different for us and uh, is possibly the creepiest story I know. So, yeah, prepare to have your blood chilled. Each podcast that's contributed a story to this anthology is going to put it out under their own name and under their own banner. So it's going to give you guys a chance to listen to some other stories by other podcasts you might like. Absolutely. And it's going to be released on Halloween. Ooh. Ooh. So we're going crazy for Halloween this year. So we've got this episode about Mary Shelley. We have our which we're doing on Sunday. And if you didn't quite catch that, it's because I didn't say it. And then we've got the Halloween Anthology Story podcast with loads of other cool podcasters. So you can give them a listen and see if you like them too. Is that it? Yeah. So if you have enjoyed this episode, and I do hope you have because I have enjoyed this random, very fast, actually quite thorough research. Yeah. Um, For two days worth of research, I think I did fairly well. Good. If you liked it, if you didn't like it. If you didn't like it, you can send us an email if you like. Yeah, send us an email that we can print out and we can fling out of the door as a paper airplane. And we can use for kindling. We don't even have a fire. (laughs) We can have a bonfire at the back. Anyway, what's our email address, love? Our email address, again, is storiesofstrangeness at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and send us a picture of your fancy dress outfits for Halloween. Yep, send us your picture of you dressed as Frankenstein's monster or Mary Shelley or Percy or Byron. Or a dog. Or Yeah, fine. Go, yeah, be a dog. Pig with pig pox. Pig pox, yes. <laughs> or a Roman. Yeah, what's the Facebook? It is facebook.com slash stories of strangeness and that is for the page. There is a join group button. We would love you to come join us. If you want to find us on Instagram. We are at Stories of Strangeness. And you can find us on Twitter. At So Strange Pod. If you want to sign up for email alerts, if Mike ever gets around to doing any, yep. you can find our website at storiesofstrangeness.com. And at some point, I will be updating our Redbubble account with a marvellous illustration inspired by this episode and you can find our red bubble account there will be a link to the red bubble account in the show notes it literally is just search zoe and mike all one word yep. and there's random illustrations of all of our episodes we're also and starting a few extra. to put quotes up now from random episodes yeah if there's any particular quotes you like of random things that we say because let us know yeah yeah there's quite a few and we'll whack a sticker up there for you yep also if you have enjoyed the podcast If you could do us a massive favour, you can do one of two things. Tell any friends that you think might enjoy the podcast about us. And two, if you can rate and review us on iTunes, we're not going to be cheesy and ask you for a five-star review. Please post a five-star review. And cheese. And No, don't post cheese. That'll go soggy in the mail. Anyway, post a, a review on iTunes. Just give us your honest opinion. We'll read it out if it's nice and if it's not we will sit and commiserate and cry probably over a beer but yeah rating and reviewing us on itunes really helps the show get out i just wanted to say 
that the United States is now the biggest listener to this podcast. Oh, my it's goodness. It's overtaken the UK, so good going, guys. Do you think it's just because they're laughing Guess at our voices? Guess who's in third place? Which country do you think is in third place? Italy. India. India? Followed wow. then, in fourth place, by Rwanda. Hello, Rwandans. We love that you're listening to us. Wow. Have a fantastic day. And also to everybody in India, Mexico, Venezuela, Colombia, we have listeners from all over the place now. And we love that you're joining us and we hope that you continue to listen. Yeah, that's amazing. Yep. Well impressed. Yep. And uh, one of the, the last ways that you can help us out, and it is one of the biggest ways you can help us out, is to support us on Patreon. Yep. We, we are now have two tiers. Yep. I think <laughs> I need to check that. Oh my God. We, we might have two tiers. Anyway, there are going to definitely be two tiers coming up soon. And that will help with the running of the website. Uh, hosting and, costs. And our equipment um, and the, that kind of stuff. Uh, massive amount of gold doubloons that we like to have lying and around biscuits. the house. Biscuits. Yeah. And the second tier includes loads of great new content. Now, we have just before this episode recorded our second minisode they've been more based around places we've actually been that have been weird and wonderful i think that's everything isn't it i think that's it i think we have come to the end of another episode i think somehow we've managed to overstay our welcome on our own podcast i've been waiting for you to leave for ages love so to finish off that episode here's a strange fact for you king penguins fart laughing gas right i'm off <laughs> good night love you Thank mm-hmm. you.